0: Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to learn and share stories about how God works all things together, writing a story of good, because He is faithful and good. Think about it, 2020 has turned many of our lives upside down, so who couldn't use a major dose of hope? I'd like to ask you to share this podcast with friends or on your social media outlets and perhaps review it on Apple so others will find this podcast easily. Every Wednesday, I'll be chatting with a friend who I know and respect, one of our Redemption Press authors, who will not only share a personal Romans 828 story, but also help to give you tips and tools for your life journey two episodes a month, we'll have an additional interview with a well-known author, and sprinkled in along the way will be additional Romans eight twenty-eight stories from our She Writes For Him Bootcamp graduates and others The Lord Brings My Way. So let's get started. Well, welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am super excited to introduce you to our new Redemption Press author, Liz Stubbs, author of An Invitation to Delight with God in the Tabernacle. Boy, does she have an amazing Romans 828 story to share with us today. But first, let me give you an introduction so you know a little bit more about this author. Author Liz Stubbs is passionate about spending time solely focused on God and seeing the results thereof lived out in the everyday stuff of life. Since 2006, she has regularly set apart a day to meet with God through his tabernacle template and to practice the discipline of spiritual solitude. A retired history teacher, Liz holds an MA in Intercultural Education and she enjoys teaching Bible studies, singing on the worship team and engaging in intercessory prayer. She and her husband live in Washington State, not that far away from the Redemption Press office. So, all right, here we go. Let's roll that conversation. All right. Well, Liz Stubbs, I am super excited to have you join me today on the All Things Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure.
0: You bet. So, before we jump into uh, your book on the tabernacle, I would love for our listeners to hear from you uh, kind of your favorite romans eight twenty eight story where it didn't look like it, but God really was working all things together for good for you.
1: Well, thank you. Um, I've been thinking about that question for a while. Uh, I celebrate fifty years as a believer on um, june twenty third twenty twenty one. So that means I have 50 years of these little Romans 8, 28 moments and some are large and some of them are daily and some have to do with my own failure and my own sins in my own life. But some of them are ones that, that happened where I had no control over and I was desperate. So the one if I may tell the story of, I taught um, history in a local Christian school for 21 years. And uh, one year I ended up with a group of kids who, it was just a very difficult class. When the year was over, because our graduations were in a church and the kids would sit in the choir loft facing the faculty and, and the parents and the par- the faculty were sitting in their front with their regalia on and the parents were behind us. And I remember sitting in uh, amongst the faculty, looking, going from kid to kid going, mm, I'm glad I don't have to see that kid again. And if I never see that child again, I won't, that won't, I won't be disappointed. And well, I would love to see that kid again, but there were so many of them with, after a year of struggle that I just felt really, really happy that they were graduating. And then I would never have to see them again. Well, that was on a Friday night and on a Monday morning, Unbeknownst to her, I had a conversation with a fellow teacher who used two words in our conversation. One was contempt and one was disdain. And that evening the Lord said to me, You may, you may not treat my <laughs> yeah, you may not treat my creation with contempt or disdain. And I went to my knees. I just didn't know what to do. And my my desperation was I did not know how to love kids I didn't like. It was, it was, and I think I prayed that for a good month and a half um, I don't know how to love kids. I don't like, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. And that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord is a a very, very important thing. And then in the middle of my desperation in a totally unrelated conversation, a person gave out, gave to me the recommendation to read, um, the five love languages. and I. I can't remember who the author is, but Mary Chapman. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden the Lord said, here, I'm giving you a really practical tool on how to demonstrate love to the kids in education. It's if you want the kids to learn the subject matter that you're teaching, in my case, it's history, then the kids have to feel and sense that they are loved or liked by you as the teacher. And uh, I would, I literally just went through all the five love languages. I went through all the kids and I just said, okay, tell me what your love language is. And I would, in the first two weeks of school, demonstrate some, somehow their love language to them. And what, what happened is as I was just walking, just like grinning, grinning my teeth, just doing this thing About halfway through the semester, I fell in love with all the kids, including the ones that I didn't like. So in other words, what what uh, God confronted me on based on a really bad experience the previous year, he completely changed it around and he uh, gave me such a love for my kids. And what happened then is subsequent to that year I would say for the last 10, 15, 20 years of teaching, I ended up really loving my students. And it was totally supernatural. It was totally a God thing. Every time I would be desperate again, like, oh, this kid is driving me nuts, you know, the Lord would just change it and say, okay, what's their love language? I want you to demonstrate their love language to them. You know, if it was um, acts of service, I, I would pick up their pencil that had fallen off of the desk and put it on their desk. If it was a gift, I would give them, you know, my eraser or something simple. But what happened then is it changed the dynamic of the classroom and that, that revelation of how to do something that we naturally, or I naturally did not was unable to do, came from just in my place of desperation before the father and that was even before I discovered how to go to that place with the father through the tabernacle. so I would say that that is a very that was such a turning point eight twenty eight story in especially in my profession
0: and it actually
1: made i love that. it made education really enjoyable I you. Yeah. So it was a real God thing. It was a good thing.
0: Wow. I love that. Okay. So we're going to jump into your book. What inspired you to write about the tabernacle?
1: Yeah. You know, um, I had, I, I write about this in the book that how I came to use the tabernacle as my devotional pattern based on a example of a woman that I had valued and honored and so much. Her name was Sheila McAlpine. She and Joy Dawson would meet together and pray once a week for the church and the nation and the community and the world. And when Sheila McAlpine moved, they were in New Zealand. And when they moved to, uh, she moved to Great Britain and Joy Dawson came to the United States. At that time, Sheila started what is called Lydia Fellowship. And they have since morphed into Ask Network. But I remember hearing her say, oh, I take a day apart. And I thought, oh, I would love to do that too. I would love to just take some time and just sit before the Father and hear what He has to say. We all often say, "I want to know what you're doing, what's going on in your life, Athena." And I thought to myself, wait, we never ask God what what He's thinking about. What would He like to talk about? And 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 I thought that would be a really great thing for me to just take some time and apart with Him. Well. I started using the tabernacle then as my devotional pattern from the time that you walk into the tabernacle to the time that you're you know in the sanctuary encountering the Holy Father. Well, I've been doing that for a while and I had been asked to speak at a women's retreat about something to a topic that was totally unrelated to it. And halfway through the day, I said, well you know I use the tabernacle as my devotional pattern everybody stopped, (laughs) they just stopped. And they said, what does that mean? What do you do? And I just said, well, this is what I do. I, I, and I, I walked through the whole process, you know, the gates of Thanksgiving and the courts of praise and all that stuff. And at that moment, I could have just diverted from the topic of the day and talked about using the tabernacle as a devotional pattern. And that's the reason is because so many people want to have devotions or they want to engage with the scripture, but they don't know how to do it. There's no practical guide for it. They read the Bible and it doesn't make sense. And when they follow the, when we follow the devotional, when we follow the tabernacle as a devotional pattern, uh, a lot of the things that we think we have to conjure up, we don't have to do that. We just go, okay, I'm going to be thankful for the fact that uh, it's a beautiful day today. You know, there's always something to be thankful for. And um so that's what made me think about writing about the tabernacle. And then when I would mention it to other people, they're like, what, is, what does that look like? How do you do that? And I thought, oh, wait, 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 wait. Maybe this is something that people are interested in hearing about and reading. And that's what what um, led me to write about it.
0: I love that. So what helped you the most in engaging with the tabernacle?
1: When I um, just go through, you know, it's like when you get dressed in the morning and, you know, you brush your teeth and you put your makeup on and do your hair. And the tabernacle has become such a uh, habit for me now that I I just engage with it. And it's not... I mean, in, during the time that it was for real on Earth, you know, when when the children of Israel uh, engaged with the tabernacle, we had just engaged with it metaphorically speaking. So when I started using that, what I found the most engaging was that I had a place to go where I had failure. Whenever I failed on something, I didn't have to talk about anybody or I to anybody. I could just go into that tabernacle pattern. So that was one major thing. Lord, I've failed here. Or Lord, where did I fail? Lord, why have I broken? Why is there a broken relationship with this person? And how does that get fixed? For example, why am I getting irritated with that person? What are you trying to tell me? And the other thing is, and there's a place for that in the tabernacle. And there's also a place for me to take my emotions. I mean, I opened the book with just a horrific story of this kid that was telling me that he was addicted to pornography. And I I was so upset. And I don't know about you, Athena, but when I'm emotional, I do not think clearly. I cannot think clearly. I'm just so upset. And I was so upset about what happened to him. And I just, through my discipline of the tabernacle, in the middle of all of that, in the middle of my, I was lamenting, I was grieving, I was crying, in the middle of all of that, the Lord said, gave me a strategy on how to help this kid succeed in my class. Now, I could not help him with his pornography. That was not my role as a woman, but I certainly wanted to know how to affirm him as a human being and then find a way for him to be successful in my classroom. And so that's what I found was most effective in engaging in the tabernacle. I call them divine downloads.
0: Mm, I love that. So who did you actually write the book for? Did you have kind of an audience in mind that was very specific?
1: Yes. Yeah. You know, what I think is interesting I'm always thinking about my students and my former students, and I'm wondering what they're up to. And uh, and those that have left the church, for example, why have they left the church? What is it about the church that has disenchanted them? And And initially I thought, am I writing this for women? And then I thought, no, but I really would like... A generation that engages with what I call the supernatural. They're like watching Star Wars. They're watching the Justice League. They are enchanted by the Narnia. And I thought, that's who I want to engage because even though the tabernacle to so many of us is like ho-hum, it's an Old Testament kind of a thing, boring, eyes glaze over. What it is, it's an encounter with a supernatural being. And so I wrote it for that generation of kids. And if they read it and they choose to engage with the tabernacle then my hope is that they will encounter god and as they encounter god that that all their disenchantment all their their complaints about the church will simply come fall by the way and that they will find out that god is so much bigger than all of their all of that you know so mm.
0: so how can the tabernacle help an ordinary person
1: yeah And I that so I wrote the tabernacle, I wrote the book with my husband in mind. So, my husband is an engineer, and he I figured if it didn't make sense to him, it was not going to make sense. So, it is definitely a, a devotional pattern. But one of the things I found as I was doing my research for the tabernacle, and in the context of where we are today, you know, with all the troubles, you know, people have been. De- I have friends that deal with cancer. We've gone through COVID, all that stuff. And I found that the tabernacle is like a proverbial, what I call the ark of safety, kind of like Noah's ark. And if people engage with the tabernacle, they will find that there is a safe place for them to be totally human without without you know that god is not waiting to hit them over the head with a baseball bat but that when there's trouble whether it's relational or it's health related or economic related Whatever that is, that the tabernacle itself becomes a sacred place of refuge for them. And what I have encountered, and this is what my heart is, and I would love for people to know that God loves us unconditionally. And this is a place where we can feel his unconditional love. Regardless of our warts and all, he recognizes that we are human he, and he has a solution and uh the tabernacle is a great way to find out what his solutions are and it sounds like a place that
0: reminds us too that he's sovereign and he does not miss he's not sitting up there going man i didn't see that coming no he yeah. knew right and he's trustworthy right right mm. So briefly what is meant by the tabernacle.
1: Yeah, so if I, if you were a non-bible reader, Athena, then the the idea of tabernacle would not make sense unless you go back into the history of the children of Israel. So in the in the fa- in the time that they were they had left Egypt, and God delivered them from that and they were uh literally wandering in the wilderness at a certain point they stop at Mount Sinai and God calls Moses onto the mountain and it was a it was a big deal i mean there was thunder and there was lightning and there was clouds and and it, people were afraid that he was going to go up and that he was going to be killed because, you know, God, the gods at that time were so fearsome. And, and so there he goes up into the mountain, at Mount Sinai, and there's two things that God gives to Moses. One is the Ten Commandments, which is a code of behavior. But the other thing is that God. It, he also gave them the pattern for the tabernacle. What is interesting about the tabernacle is that it's written about from Genesis to Revelation. In fact, it's a really, there's a tiny verse at the end of Revelation 15, just before the bulls, which are the last great wrath of God. That And it comes out of the tabernacle in, in heaven. So in other words, tabernacle is important to God and what the tabernacle then is the whole format of the tabernacle the the the, the border between the camp and the tabernacle the this sanctuary the the furniture in the tabernacle even the rites and the rituals around the tabernacle are all copies of what is happening in heaven in fact if you could be Flying above the earth, you look into heaven, and then you could look down on earth and you would see a mirror image on earth of what what is happening in heaven. So I use it as a devotional pattern, but in actual fact, the tabernacle is important to God. And the biggest reason why it is, is because he is so altogether holy. Like you said, he's sovereign. He is altogether other And yet he created humans and he wants to have relationship with humans in general, but also individually. He wants it so badly that he made a way for that to happen. And I know that everybody says, well, that, that happened through Jesus Christ. Absolutely. It happened through Jesus Christ. But before Jesus walked on the earth, How did that happen? No other God approached their their humanity the way God did. And he said, this is how you can do it. This is how you can have relationship with me. This is how I want to have relationship with you. And that's why I feel that the tabernacle is so... So important because it actually is a sacred space. It is that space where you can communicate with the the creator, the sovereign God of the universe who calls himself father. If we would know that he is father, we would just not have any problems asking him about it, asking him about anything. And uh, so that's why the tabernacle, that's what is meant by the tabernacle. Now the tabernacle progression is really interesting because first it's a tent and then it's a formal tent and then once the children of israel are in the land and they have jerusalem as their head their capital city then they build a temple and that temple is destroyed and they build another temple and that's destroyed and it's build another temple and that's destroyed so then what's happening there's no temple now no place for us as humans to go and have relationship with god well now in the New Testament he says you and I are walking tabernacles yeah. which is an incredible thought right we're like a we're portable tents of meeting so that's why tabernacle is so important and and it's in both the New and the Old Testament it's not Just for the Jews, like so many people believe it's really like he calls the church a tabernacle, a house of God. So, wow.
0: So, okay, this is uh, I mean, it's definitely a a kind of a new slant on how to uh, you know how to have a way to meet with God. I mean. We all have our own ways of having that quiet time. Some of us need more help with that. I spend, at least I try and spend the first hour of my day. I'm not always successful, but I love the idea of having a pattern that really is what's going on in heaven, just that sequence. I'm so glad that we've been able to have this conversation. I want to just encourage those who are listening to not only buy a copy of the book, but also buy a couple extra copies so that you have them as gifts to give to others that maybe have told you that they struggle having a quiet time. Yeah. This would be a great resource for a person who's struggling with really having that meaningful time with God each day. So Liz, if you could share with us a tip or a tool that you've been able to use that keeps the truth of Romans 8, 28 and God being sovereign and God being good and faithful, even when it doesn't look like he is, what would you, what would you say is that tip or tool for our listeners?
1: Yes. Yeah. And, and this, I found in the tabernacle that it there or the devotional pattern my tip is to always give God the space to work the miracle that they need. And the reason why I say that is because he loves. He loves 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 to surprises. Yes. He loves to surprise us. He loves to delight us. He loves to enthrall us. One of my favorite verses in scripture is Zephaniah, um, in Zephaniah, where it says he sings over us with joy. Mm -hmm. I mean, what Mm -hmm. God sings over us with joy, just that alone is worth just thinking about. I'm kind of a go-getter kind of a gal and i like to you know if i see a problem i like to solve it but what i have found that is if i step back and give the problem to the lord he works the miracle and he he solves the problem so much better than me and if it's a problem with another person which i will totally screw up yep <laughs> He fixes it so well. That's what he does. That's what he's. That's what he does. That's what, and he loves to do that. And then he loves for us to just be so delighted by how he answers our our issues. So. Mm.
0: And he doesn't really need our help, does he?
1: <laughs> we'll no. just mess it up. <laughs> Oh
0: my goodness. Okay. So Liz, if we have some listeners that want to connect with you on social media or wherever, where's the best place for them to do that?
1: Yeah. So right now I am in the middle of working uh, with Redemption Press on building a a website. So that's not in place yet, but they can, uh, I'm on Facebook under Liz Stubbs. Okay. That's one. And I do have an Instagram so they can. And I think that's under Liz Stubbs, I think maybe Liz Stubbs 56, which is a good year. And then so that's the best way. And if they would like to connect with me personally, then they can direct message me through Facebook and I'll give them my email address.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. It was absolutely delightful.
1: Thank you, Athena.
0: Well, thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So, hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would, consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media. And if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would love it if you would take a minute to do that as it would help other people find the show. And also let them know that it's a show worth listening to. So thanks so much for joining us today. And I will see you next week. Bye for now.